In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When we talk about prison ministry, we're usually talking about ministry to people who are in prison. However, St. Paul wrote four letters that are generally understood to be prison epistles. These are letters he wrote to others while he was in jail. That is, he, the prisoner, wrote letters giving encouragement and exhortation to people who were not in jail. This counterintuitive ministry could mean that St. Paul was the ultimate positive thinker who could find good in every circumstance. Or it could mean that he lived in continual denial, refusing to acknowledge legitimate pain of life. But it doesn't mean either of those things. St. Paul's prison ministry reveals that St. Paul really believed what he taught. His faith was not just one moment of excitement on the Damascus road that vanished under the strain of real trial. He believed, taught, and exemplified the truth that Christ works most effectively within us through our trials. This is a preeminent biblical theme, but we tend to discount it, both because we naturally avoid discomfort and we live in a culture that teaches us that all pain should be avoided. Thus, while we hear the call to pick up our cross and follow Christ, much of our prayer is focused on asking God to take away our cross and to get us back to the condition of ease and comfort that we associate with the word happiness. The truth is that we do not do very well with ease and comfort. Both lead us to drift slowly and imperceptibly into faithful, to unfaithfulness. We've seen this recently in our morning prayer readings concerning King David. The great faith and faithfulness of King David was revealed and formed during his times of trial. But David's great fall came when he was walking in ease and comfort on the roof of his palace. Trial and challenge keep us dependent upon God and increase our faith. Ease and comfort make us feel self-sufficient and less dependent. And that is precisely when we are most vulnerable to temptation. Growth through trial only makes sense if we understand the goal or the telos of our faith. Where is our faith taking us? What is the end result of our growth through trial? We can understand it this way. God planted new eternal life within us through baptism. We receive this new life through faith. From the perspective of faith, the purpose of life in this world is to facilitate the growth of this life within us so that it will come to its mature form, what Ephesians 4.13 calls the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This goal, or telos, will be fully and finally achieved 
in the resurrection on the last day. As we say every Sunday in the creed, I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We look for it in the sense that that is our hope. The Christian life in this world is properly understood as growth from the new birth of baptism to the fully mature human form of resurrection. The growth of this life in this world is an interior thing. The resurrection is where we get a body that complements the new interior life. But in this life, it happens within us, in the hidden places of our hearts and minds and souls. And this interior work is furthered by the exterior circumstances and challenges of life. When we respond to the exterior challenges by persevering in faith, in prayer, in faithfulness, in obedience, the life within us grows and becomes stronger. If a weightlifter wants to lift more weight, wants to get stronger, he can only get stronger by lifting more, by trying continually to lift more, even to the point of trying to lift way more than he can lift. Practicing with the heavier weight strengthens the muscle so that it is able to handle more. Faith is like that. It is strengthened when we face difficult things of life. It never gets stronger when challenge is avoided. And in times of ease, the muscle weakens. To facilitate our interior growth, we must ask the right question. We must ask, how are our exterior circumstances facilitating the growth of what St. Paul refers to in our epistle as the inner man? How are my circumstances leading me to depend upon God more? How are they surfacing interior things that I need to face and work through. The growth of this interior self is manifested in growth in virtues, growth in faith, hope, and love, in humility, in patience, compassion, and generosity. Many Christians struggle to grow in faith because they focus mainly on the opposite question. They ask, how is my interior faith helping me to solve the exterior problems of life? Faith is assessed by the exterior result. Interior faith helped us to accomplish this exterior thing. Now, there is a nuance here. It is not wrong to pray for exterior things, to pray for healing or the success of an enterprise or the resolution of a conflict. But here is the key point. The exterior things we pray for are almost always temporary. But interior growth that we experience through trial is eternal. Thus, if we focus only on the exterior results, to the neglect of the growth of the interior life, 
we are always focusing on temporary things and ignoring the things that last forever. As St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And this perspective brings us back to St. Paul's prison ministry. St. Paul understood his exterior circumstances from the perspective of his interior life and perspective of the progress of the kingdom in the world. He saw that God was doing something within himself and in the churches. And he understood that the exterior trials he and the churches faced facilitated that work. Thus, he understood his imprisonment to be an opportunity to preach the gospel to the prison guards and administration. See Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. He understood his physical ailment to be something that made him depend upon Christ more and therefore made Christ stronger in him. See 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And this is the encouragement and perspective he shares with the Ephesians in today's epistle. First, he tells them not to be discouraged because he is in prison. And then he prays that his readers will come to understand how God is strengthening their interior faith through their exterior circumstances. He prays that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with his might in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. St. Paul does not ask his readers to pray for him that he might be free like they are, Rather, he prays that they might experience God through their trials the way he does. And this leads to a remarkable verse that is worthy of some extended meditation. St. Paul says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. This exceedingly abundant work of God is rooted in the interior perspective. We ask for and think about things that are temporary, but God is working within us to change us into eternal beings who will live forever with him. And that is exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we are asking for or thinking about. This can be illustrated by today's gospel. As Jesus approached the funeral procession in the city of Nain, the mourners might have expected Jesus, might, expected, might have expected this rabbi to offer some words of comfort or perhaps even to make some kind of contribution to support this widow who had just lost her means of support. 
but no one expected Jesus to raise the boy from the dead. We come to Jesus asking for various things that aid the exterior circumstances of our lives. Sometimes we ask for things that seem really big, and sometimes Jesus gives them to us. But what we ask for is small change in comparison with the work that God is doing within us through the various trials of life. As 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. As Christians, we wait in hope for the completion of this exceedingly abundant work of God within us. As St. Paul wrote in another of his prison epistles, Philippians 3.20, we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.